everyone. My name is Paula Andrea Fernandez de Soto Abdel Rahim, but you will get to know me simply as Andrea, your new host in this space called A Slice of Pie. This is the first episode of season two, where we will sit down with experts and parents of primary immunodeficiency patients to navigate topics that attend to the lived experience of people diagnosed with these complex medical conditions and their families. This podcast will have a new episode every other week, and hopefully we will be around for a total of 13 episodes. Why do I think this podcast is so important? Well, When you join this community of sick children and courageous parents, you comprehend that your voice is needed to keep fighting for many children with PI conditions, to help educate, to help create awareness, and to inspire others that don't have primary immunodeficiencies to believe in our fight. A Slice of Pie is a sweet and interesting space where we can connect with the wisdom of our guests and the kind touch of the caregiver's experiences. I think that talking about your story or talking about our personal stories to others out there is always a, a little complex because we want to find the perfect words to explain how we felt in that moment. So there's no such thing as perfect. So I will try my best to walk you through my experience as a parent of a child with a primary immunodeficiency condition. In this case, my son is Jacob. You can see him out there in blogs or billboards or other type of advertising as Jacob Little Fighter. Jacob has what they call ADA skit, which is a severe combined immunodeficiency, also known as the boy in the bubble disease. So if you referred uh, maybe to the movie in the 70s, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble by John Travolta, you might have a little bit of idea of what Jacob's condition is. Although there's a lot of things that have changed since the 70s until now in terms of knowing this condition and exactly plastic bubbles. But I will do my best to walk you through the whole story and why are we exactly here today. So as I mentioned, Jacob is my son. He was diagnosed 10 days after birth thanks to the newborn screening test here in Alberta at birth. And um, well, he was born in August 2019 and this kid, the test, the newborn screening test was implemented in July 2019. Uh, thankfully, well, we had that resource in, all, in order to uh, know his diagnosis on time. Um, when these kids, essentially the condition is um, that these children are born with no immune system. So they lack of any really basic way to fight infections, colds, and viruses. When we talk about SCID, um, we, we say that it's considered a pediatric emergency as babies born with this condition usually don't survive past their first birthday without treatment because, well, they, they have been struggling with no immune system and trying to fight as many infections as they can. When Jacob was diagnosed, we were already in at the Stolery Children's Hospital. We were in the NICU because we were checking a small noise that he, he had since since he was born. And we wanted to figure out what was happening because the doctors didn't know. 
and our pediatrician recommended that we should go and stay for a couple of days in the NICU until all the tests were done. So we were actually inside hospital, but um, not expecting this type of news after. We found out that Jacob had a paralyzed vocal cord. And what happens with these kids is that normally, eventually, like after a year, they can fix themselves. They fix themselves the vocal cord and that's it. There's not such a big issue with it. But with Jacob's condition, well, things had a different turn. So when he was diagnosed, we were completely isolated after that in a different area of the Story Children's Hospital. And we spent there probably, I would say maybe like approximately three months. And he was connected to an NG tube that helped him to eat properly because these children, unfortunately, they don't don't thrive. That's one of the common sides of this condition. And also he was connected to oxygen because um, he was not breathing properly. His lungs were not actually not, not working the way they were supposed to do. Uh, his heart was elevated. Well, so many things that they were happening in that moment. So we passed from having a baby that looked very normal to be parents of a child that it was actually very, very sick. This was really difficult, at least for me. I'm, I'm sure that for my husband, Camille, also, uh, we were trying to support each other the best that we could. But there are things, for example, like postpartum depression, you know, we never talk about it. And uh, I feel that after I gave birth to my child, I, I was just a person that was trying to figure out a way to fight for my kid, but I was not exactly... My mind was not there yet. You know, I was still very, I, I didn't know exactly what to do because there was not enough information about his condition. And every day they would come with different news that they were not exactly so positive. So it was really hard for me to try to separate my emotions and my crazy hormones, I guess, in that moment to really do what I have to do as a mother. So these three months in hospital, completely isolated, really took a toll on my mental health. And, and they were really difficult for me in order to, as I said, to fight back for my kid. Initially, when I was pregnant, I thought that all my friends and family, I mean, I don't have any family here in Canada, but, uh, you know, when you consider a couple of friends that they're kind of like your family. So I would say lots of friends and acquaintances will come home and will teach me how to be a mom. That was my idea. And um, it, that did, did, this didn't actually happen, of course. I was in hospital and thank, thank God I will say that um, I had a beautiful a team of nurses that they will support me and they will teach me how to bat, to, like how to dress my kid, how to change a diaper, how to give him a bath. And I will say that without these nurses today, I would not be the medical mom that I am because they taught me a lot. And, and well, that was, that was a very positive thing while I was in, in hospital. So as I said, Jacob, it's an ADA skid toddler. The lack of immune system is really hard for them to fight infections and if they get sick, they have a, 
they have to fight really hard in order not to, you know, like not to die from it. When we talk about his condition, so there's, when we talk about skid is when we talk, there's different types of skid and each type of skid might have a different type of approach or treatment. So for Jacob, he has ADA skid. Um, ADA comes from ademinase, adenosine deaminase will be the term, a medical term for ADA. And basically what we're saying is that when their body lacks of an enzyme and so their body will build this toxicity that will destroy or will damage their brain, lungs, hearing, and kidneys. In order to preserve these organs, then he needs an enzyme replacement. The enzyme replacement that he is in, it's called Refcovy. Refcovy comes in a form of an injection. And he receives this injection two times per week. It's the price of this injection is significant um, to the point that we will not be able to cover that. Uh, I believe here in Canada, it's approximately, I don't know, maybe $12,000 per injection. And we're talking that Jacob receives two per week. So... um, Thankfully, the government of Canada, it's helping us to cover that cost because we as a family, it will be impossible to cover that. The traditional treatment for Jacob will be a bone marrow transplant from a matched sibling donor, which he doesn't have. So this is a really important part that I'm going to mention here. Jacob is a mix of Hispanic and Caucasian. So the best match for him is likely someone who shares his his same ethnicity. It's important to understand that only 1% of the Canadian Blood Services Steam Cell Registry is made up of people of Hispanic descent and 3.5% of mixed ethnicity, making it extremely hard for patients like Jacob to find a match. And I think that that's one of the or principles when we talk about Jacob, that it's encouraging people to go and donate or, yeah, to become a stem cell donor with different backgrounds so we can actually help more out, more patients out there. So yes, uh, Jacob doesn't have a match. So that means that right now, even if we're still in the bank, we're still searching for it, it's really tricky to find and uh, we don't know if that will happen. Another part of the treatment is what we call gene therapy. Gene therapy right now is available only in Italy at a really high cost of approximately $1.5 million. And... We are hoping that by creating awareness and by campaigns in California, uh, Dr. Khan, who is pretty much the father of gene therapy there, it's able to run a clinical trial or to pursue all their ways um, to make gene therapies available for all their children right now, because that's pretty much what saves lives. Um, we're talking about the gene therapies are our gene therapies in general are here and we really need to welcome them. Um, it's a different way of, uh, a less invasive way of medicine, I will say. And, and with really good results until now. So hopefully we can all can go and read and search about it and have a little bit more of input into gene therapies. Every month, so we go to the Story Children's Hospital and Jacob receives IVAG once a month. So IVAG is a product made from plasma. You will 
never imagined that uh, when you're donating actually blood and plasma, how beneficial it is for many patients out there like Jacob to receive uh, IVIG thanks to your donation. When you donate plasma, you're actually donating your antibodies and these antibodies go into Jacob's body and protects him from colds, infections, and gives him another month of protection. This is really important also in our lives. And we hope that through this whole season, you get to know a couple of elements that are so important in order to help others out there and and how there are so many small gifts of kindness and and they come in different ways. And I really hope that through this um, whole season, you can uh, stay with us and share with us and, and learn a little bit about primary immunodeficiencies if you don't have any of this. And if you do, well, hopefully through your questions and we can have different inputs and, and through the season. So sometimes when I'm talking about Jacob, I usually, well, people will tend to ask me, how's Jacob doing? Um, and I usually say, well, he's stable. So when, I, when I'm talking and when I'm saying stable, it means that every month that we go for IVIG, um, he will get poked and there's a lot of blood work uh, through that day. And it tells us how his T cells are doing and how his thymus is doing and how his body in general is uh, acting, right? So right now, as long as my kid has his numbers in, in stable and my doctor, my immunologist says that he's doing okay, then we are buying time and we are good. season of Slice of Pie is brought to you by our partners at Octopharma. Octopharma has been providing innovative and safe human plasma-based treatments globally for over four decades. Persons living with primary immunodeficiency have inspired their work that includes pioneering the development of the first room temperature-stable liquid IVIG and the first subcutaneous IG. Octopharma remains committed to serving the Canadian immunodeficiency community through quality immunoglobulin therapies. Octopharma for ease of infusion and better life for all. Even though Jacob is stable, we continue raising funds to take him for gene therapy treatment and, and give him a new life. His condition it's it's a life-threatening condition. If something very complex will happen and and then we have to do like an emergency bone marrow transplant, then um, we will talk about my husband, Camille, doing a half-match uh, bone marrow transplant. Um, they call it HAPLO. And, and it's, uh, you know, we are made, I mean, each individual is, has a mom and a dad. So we are half and half of our parents. So in this case, well, Camille will be the one given his bone marrow just because I don't apply anymore. I was diagnosed uh, with cervical cancer in last December 2021. And I finished probably my, my cancer treatment 
in May. Um, so I have been doing, I, I was able to do chemotherapy and radiation and something that it's called brachytherapy, that it's a little bit more of an intense radiation in that cervical area. So my body is not, I will say, not good anymore to help my kid survive his condition, which is really complex. And it has changed a lot of things in the dynamic of how we live. Because in, in Jacob's case, he has to be completely isolated. But with me having cancer, I needed a little bit of help at home during those weeks that I was in treatment. If you're familiarized with someone, a family member, a sibling, anybody that has gone through cancer treatment and they have to go through chemotherapy, you might understand how their body changes, their brain changes. We tend to be slower. It reflects the fatigue in our bodies and our brains. So having a two-year-old kid at home and me having treatment, cancer treatment was definitely not an easy thing to do with just Camille and I in order to take care of him, right? Because um, we are not supposed to have other people around Jacob because that might introduce infections or viruses from others. So we try our best to keep him isolated and protect him as much as we can. But during this time, uh, we were given permission to bring our mother-in-law or my mother-in-law to help us. And that made a huge difference in terms of uh, the care that Jacob needed. So that is pretty much what I will say in terms of the story with Jacob, right? And the story of my son, kind of like it shapes the whole season for me because we're actually going to be able to talk about the newborn screening. We're going to be able to talk about uh, how, you know, like the diagnosis, how families will receive the diagnosis. Medical trauma is also a very important part of how we deal with these situations. We'll have an opportunity to know a little bit more about plasma, stem cell donation, gene therapies, and why not uh, enzyme replacement like RAF-CoV and how we can encourage others to keep donating and to keep uh, that bank donor a little bit more diversified in order to help other patients with primary immunodeficiencies. We will also talk uh, by the end probably of the season and the impact on foundations, right? There's so many foundations out there, but we probably don't understand until we have a friend, a family member uh, that is actually in in the mud, um, then we don't realize how important these foundations are and to support them. Self-care, uh, how do we really take care of ourselves while having a kid that has a primary immunodeficiency? And also, how do we convert our pain or how do we transform our pain into other ways to help others to create awareness and to keep fighting for our children, like creating books, um, I don't know, paintings and poems, uh, even making a podcast. So all those things will come up eventually during the whole season number two of Slice of Pie that I'm really, really happy to share with all of you. 
so as you can see, well, what has your my journey as a parent of a patient with primary immunodeficiency been like? I will say that in the beginning was really complex to understand where we were getting into because we didn't have a lot of information about the condition, uh, about Jacob's condition. After that, it was a little bit of a process of learning and finding options and looking exactly what was best for him. And definitely after these two years, having my child completely isolated and going through all these uh, roller coaster of emotions, I will say that there's one part that still worries. And there's a still there's one part of myself that still worries a lot um, in terms of what is going to happen with my kid. But also, there's another part that says thank you. It's it's a really thankful part of myself saying, well, we made it until now. We're doing good. We're here. And there's so many things that have happened that we have to be thankful for. Just for example, the newborn screening test. For us, that was probably one of the most important things that we have to highlight in our life. Thanks to that newborn screening test and the advocacy of many out there, we actually can say that we have Jacob today. If we didn't have him diagnosed, we probably will not have Jacob here with us today. What makes me passionate about hosting this season? I will say that I'm really, really uh, searching or looking for to share with you guys stories and the perspective from the experts. It's really important when we actually know from an expert what we actually talking about. But also when we have the perspective of that parent and how they really went through that situation and how do they come up out of the struggle. So I think that both uh, positions are really, really important. And that makes me really passionate because we are creating awareness and we are still trying to encourage others to keep the idea that primary immunodeficiency conditions and how we can fight for our children and how can we support or families or friends that are going through these type of situations. And anyways, even if you don't have any PI conditions or any family members or friends in this type of situation, still you can listen to our podcast and have little tools under your sleeve just in case someone comes to you and express that type of worries. I believe sometimes we are in places not because we were just supposed to be there, but I mean, how can I rephrase that? I will say that sometimes we are in these type of places, we show up in these places because there's something else that is telling us that we should be there. You know, probably uh, the best way to put it is that faith and hope are really important in, at least in my life. And I think that we need to try our best to be positive about the struggles that come to us. And either, even though sometimes we don't understand why, let's call it bad things are happening to us, there's always a reason behind it, but we don't get to understand that after you know, until it's kind of far away from our hands. I believe that everything that has happened into our lives, like our family, it's a way of testing our patience and our love for each other 
inner strength and uh, it probably will conclude it as how far will we go for Jacob and another of our children. So hopefully through this podcast, we go through all these different topics and we navigate together the complexities of each term and emotionally how everybody was able to kind of like touch the bottom and then rise above. I feel that thanks to you, it's uh, this is possible and definitely thanks to the Canadian Immunodeficiency Patient Organization. We are here today in order to help others create awareness, keep fighting for all these primary immunodeficiency conditions, and hopefully together we will be able to get to be stronger and help each other in other ways and, and continue with, you know, that this is not the first time that someone is going to have a case of primary immunodeficiency. So the idea is, if I'm not the last one, then how can we help our next one? How can we support our next family? How can we support our next mother? And definitely, how can we together build the tools and the knowledge for the next baby that will need that help? Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you enjoy the whole season. I can't wait for you to listen to all our experts and parents out there, and hopefully you can find a little bit of uh, insight and something good for your life and the life of many others. Thank you. The intention of this episode was to introduce myself as the host of season two of A Slice of Pie, to find the ways we understand primary immunodeficiencies through the caregiver's or the parent's perspective and to highlight the similarities and differences of our life experience as family members of a person diagnosed with PI. Additionally, we outline the objective of the show and shape of the season, something that we hope will situate the audience to our own social, emotional, mental locations and will invite them into our journey of learning through each episode. Thank you to the Canadian Immunodeficiency Patients Organization, CIPO, for providing this space where we can tell our stories for a stronger tomorrow for our children. Make sure to visit our website, www.cipo.ca, to learn more. Did you like what you heard in this episode? There is plenty more. Make sure to subscribe to Slice of Pie at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen. Slice of Pie is a Canadian immunodeficiency patient organization production. Sound production, editing, and original music by Olivia Willer. I am your host, Andrea. That's all for now.